Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. We're going to have a blast just talking about our self-image today, and I think it's appropriate for mothers. It's, it's going to be a blessing to every single one of us that are in this room. So I want to open up with a story. If you haven't met my dad, and many of you know him, my dad turns 90 in November, but if you were to see him and didn't know his age, you'd think he was turning 70. He really looks young, but he has emphysema, and he's on oxygen 24 hours a day, and uh, that's from smoking for 40 years. So my dad is like my idol when it comes to being bold. He's the boldest person I've ever met, and to this day, he, he just did this a couple weeks ago. Um, he does it all the time. If he's going into a store and he sees someone smoking a cigarette, he will walk up to them, complete strangers. And my dad's only five foot seven. He'll walk up to them, and he won't introduce himself. He won't let them know what he's about to, why he's saying. He just says, hey, hey, and he gets their attention. And then he says this, you see this? And he points to the tubes going in his nose. You see this? Points to the oxygen. He says, uh, the reason I have this is because of cigarettes. You need to stop smoking. And that's just what he says to complete strangers. And uh, he was telling us just, just last week, he was saying, hey, he said, I said this to this young girl, and she started cussing me out. She said, you blankety-blank old man. And I said, well, Dad, of course she did. You're kinda, you know, you kind of shouldn't say that. Well, um, so my dad, when he was 18, went into the military. Now you understand him a little bit. He went into the military at 18. World War II was going on, so he, had to, he, he was drafted in. And he went into the Army. When he came out of basic training, um, his buddies talked him into going to have some tattoos. So he put these classic tattoos on each forearm. One says mom. Another one is a military army tattoo. And uh, he almost lost just one arm uh, because of infection. So that might have been the reason he now does what he does. But I remember when I was in junior high, I said, Dad, when can I get a tattoo? I mean, your tattoos are so cool. And here's what my dad did. He said, son, you see this? And he points to a tattoo. I said, yeah. He goes, that's not a tattoo. I go, no, that's a Son, that's a mistake. And <laughs> but now... We can be at a wedding, we can be at any graduation party, you name it, where he'll, he'll hear someone, he doesn't even know who they are, they'll say they're thinking about having a tattoo put on them, and my dad will go up to him and he'll say, you see this? And they'll go, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't know, that's a mistake, don't do it, you can never get rid of it. So I know you didn't come here today to hear about my World War II era father who's turning 90, what he thinks about tattoos, but everybody has a different opinion when it comes to tattoos. There are some people that regret the fact they have tattoos. Uh, take a look at this one. I don't know about you, but I think they regret it. Don't worry. All you have to do is belive. If you can belive, all things are possible. I bet you they wish they didn't get theirs, right? And then how about this one? Uh, don't worry. It's get better. It will. Uh, there's all kinds of mistakes. You can Google them. They're amazing. You know, even if God said we weren't allowed to have tattoos, 
Could he ever become upset with this tattoo? I don't think so. I mean, how, how can you say you can't have a Jesus tattoo on your arm? And I, last night after service, I had a bunch of guys come up to me. Uh, how, how can I find that? I want that tattoo on my arm, right? So uh, there's all kinds of different opinions in here when it comes to tattoos or uh, plastic surgery. And we'll deal with those two first, and then we'll hit cremation near the end of the message. Um, but as I was putting this together, here's what, here's what came to me. And I... I think this is amazing. This, this is really, really about something else when we ask ourselves these questions. And I call this my big idea for the lesson. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. Your self-image must come from your inner image. And, and this is something all of us need to come to this place because if your self-image doesn't come from your inner image you're going to be tormented. It has nothing to do with whether you go to heaven or not. You're just going to live a life of torment. So if you're in this room today and you're, you know, you're, you're a young man or a young woman, you're really attractive, real handsome, real beautiful, I, I don't want to depress you, but I just want to let you know 10, 20 years from now when you walk in a room, you're not going to turn heads anymore. It's going to change, right? And you're going to have to come to a place, every one of us in this room, where we realize that your self-image must come from your inner image. And if it doesn't come from there, um, you're going to live a life of torment. But if you can begin to see yourself for who you are and what God made you to be when you accepted Christ, you can live a life of peace. We, we, we had a, a cat when my children were young, and we named him Tiger. He was an Egyptian Mao. And I'm convinced when he looked at him in the mirror, this is what he saw. This is what he saw, man. He was fearless. And I want to ask you a question. When you look in a mirror... What do you see? What do you see? Do you see the person on the inside? Or do you see who you are on the outside? Because if you can see who you are on the inside, you'll live a life of peace. And that's really where God wants to bring each and every one of us. So there's this scripture in the Bible. And, and a couple denominations and, 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 and some churches, they use this scripture to really place ladies in bondage. And what they'll do with this scripture is they'll say to ladies, uh, you can't wear makeup, you can't cut your hair, you can't wear jewelry. And, and they'll, they'll put these ladies in this really terrible place, in my opinion. And I want to read that scripture to you because even at face value, it's not saying what they're interpreting it to say. But when you see what it's really saying, it's one of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible. So that scripture happens to be 1 Peter 3.3. 3. And here's how it reads. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. And in a moment, we'll read the next verse. But the next verse is dealing with us uh, focusing on who we are on the inside. But this is, this is the verse that people really use to place women into bondage. But did you notice what I highlighted? The phrase, don't be concerned. The, the word concern comes from a Greek word that everyone in this room knows. Every one of you in this room could quote this word. You know it. You hear it all the time. You know what the Greek word is? You may not know it's a Greek word. It's the Greek word cosmos. And we know that means world or universe. And then you take the other little words that are there, and you know how this translates? It's an incredible verse. Here's what it says. Don't allow the center of your universe to be about your outward beauty. And that's all this is talking about. It's talking about where you focus. It's talking about what you are actually 
valuing yourself off of. And the Bible's just simply saying your value cannot come from who you are on the outside. It has to come from what God made you and who you are on the inside. So the center of your universe has to be something different than your outward appearance. So God's not saying you can't buy jewelry or wear jewelry. He's not saying you can't change or fix your hair or style it. He's not saying you can't wear nice clothes. He's not telling you not to work out or take care of yourself. All he's saying is make sure that's not the focus of your universe. Listen to the next verse. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is so precious to God. Now, if this were written to men, what would he talk about? He'd say, let the fruit of the Spirit, love and kindness and, and, and patience, let all that be what you focus on. So what is God saying here? Make the center of your universe or make your focus who you are on the inside, not who you are on the outside. And I want to help you when you walk out of here. I really want you, when you look in the mirror, to see who you are inside and not see who you are on the outside because eventually uh, we will not be as happy as we are now with our outer person. But guess what? We don't have to live in that torment. We can live a life of total peace. So there's another scripture in the Bible, and this is really an incredible scripture. Uh, king Saul was rejected by God. He was the first king of Israel. God rejected him. So God goes to the prophet Samuel, and he says to Samuel, he says, I want you to go to Jesse's house. Jesse had a bunch of boys. He said, and I want you to anoint one of them as the next king. So the prophet's job would have been to pray over them and anoint them with oil. That was part of the ceremony. And so he goes up uh, to Jesse's house, and the first thing he sees, he sees some of the boys, and he sees his oldest son. And listen to this. It's 1 Samuel 16, 6, and it reads like this. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And all that means is this. He was taller. He was bigger. He was better looking than all the other brothers. And all he could think was, he's, he's king-like. You know, he, he, he reminds me of a king. This has to be the guy. But we all know the story. It was David who was anointed king, but David wasn't even there. David was this young teenager who they thought God could never use him. He was out watching his father's flocks. But I want you to listen to how God answered Samuel, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Now, he didn't reject him because he was tall or good looking. He didn't even reject him because he was bad on the inside. He rejected him because he was not the one he wanted king. He wasn't qualified to be the king, probably qualified to do all kinds of other things. But listen, it goes on to say the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I'm glad he does. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that he does. And we're going to use this, this verse a little further down when we open this up just a little bit further. But aren't you glad that God's looking at who you are on the inside and not who you are on the in, outside? And wouldn't it be cool as when we look in the mirror, we see what God sees? Because when God looks at you, He's not seeing your mistakes. He's not seeing your failures. He's not seeing who you are and how good you are here or there or how you look. He's looking on the inside, and that's where he wants your value to come from. Your self-image must come from your inner image. So let's do what we've been doing. Let's put this question through the GYO filter. Is it okay to have tattoos, plastic surgery, or be cremated? And we'll deal with those first two 
and then we'll deal with cremation afterwards. So if you haven't been with us, G stands for the God filter, and, and we just simply look in the Bible and we ask, what, what does God say? God's either going to give you point-blank permission or prohibition. That means he talks about it, or he's not going to talk about it at all, completely silence, and then you have to figure it out with principle. So we want to put this through our God filter. And you know what? When you put it through the God filter, uh, it's fascinating. He really doesn't deal with it. There's one verse where it looks like he deals with it, and there's another one people like to use. So we want to just look at those to help you understand them. And here's, here's the first one. Leviticus 19.28, it says, Do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. And a literal Hebrew doesn't even have tattoos there. I, I just found a translation that does because of what we're teaching on. But it just says, don't mark your bodies. I am the Lord. And so it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. If you look at it at face value, you, you could see where people would say you're not allowed to have tattoos. The Bible says so. But that's not what's happening. Here's what historians and scholars will tell you. Israel was enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. They learned all their customs. And one of their customs was they would take the idols. They had all these false gods. They would literally tattoo the idols on their, on their bodies. And when you saw a tattoo of an idol on their body, here's what that meant. This is who I submit to. This is who I worship. This, and sometimes they had multiple idols. And it would just be a declaration. I'm submitted to them. I worship them. And God was saying to them, I don't want you putting any idol tattoos on your body. And, and did you notice the last part? I am the Lord. I love that part. I've read it for years and wondered, why did you put that there? It's like kind of we know who you are. And why did you put it right after that verse? But now it makes sense, right? What did God say? He said, you shall have no other gods before me, for I am the Lord. And all he's saying here is, man, I don't want idols on your body. But you could not use this. Bible interpretation, you can't use this to say you can't have a tattoo. But here's another one. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So if you're a Christian, here's what's so cool about you right now. God actually lives inside you, God the Holy Spirit. I, I haven't figured it out with this head, but I believe it in my heart because the Bible says so. I don't know how God does it. But if you're a Christian, God the Holy Spirit lives inside every one of us. And in order for him to live in you, God had to make you holy and righteous and blameless. So he's done that in you. And then he goes on and says, he says, I want you to glorify God in your body. So people will use this and say, if you put a mark on your skin, you're not glorifying God. But you know what? You have to read this in context. Did you notice verse 19 begins with the word or? So he's continuing a thought. And you know what verses 12 through 18 are talking about? That's the context. Uh, verse 12 all the way through to 20. That's the context. You know what those verses are talking about? Sexual purity. <laughs> and all the verses are about being sexually pure in your mind and in your actions. And then he concludes with saying, hey, here's why you need to be sexually pure. God lives inside of you, man. So when, you, when you're not sexually pure, you're pulling God into those places, right? And, and then he's saying, glorify God with your body. What does he mean? He's, he means grow in your purity. He's telling you to be sexually pure. And that's the context. So he's not dealing with tattoos. So if you were to ask me, uh, does the Bible give us permission, prohibition? I would say it doesn't give us prohibition. Uh, it doesn't flat out say, say you can. So we have to use the principle, right? And uh, you know, in Revelations 19, uh, in case you didn't know this, when Jesus comes back on the horse, do you know the Bible says he has a name? 
tattooed on his body that nobody knows. So Jesus actually is going to have a tat of some kind. I don't, I don't know what it is. But there's, some, there's a mark on his body, all right? And it, it's a name none of us know. So if you were to ask me, well, if it doesn't say yes or no point blank, we have to figure it out by principle. And guess what? I snuck the principle in in our big idea. And here's the principle. Your self-image must come from your inner image. In other words, the why filter is where we really need to go, and we need to ask why are we going to have plastic surgery or why are we going to have tattoos? And we just have to make sure we're not trying to do it to feel better about ourselves because that is a never-ending battle. Nothing you do will ever make you feel good about yourself. You have to feel good about yourself because of who you are on the inside. So my daughter, Deanna, um, she told me two things. When she was in high school, she said, Dad, the guy I'm going to marry is going to have tattoo sleeves down one arm and down the other. If you don't know what a sleeve is, it means it's just so many tattoos, it looks like a sleeve, right? And she let me know that when she was in high school. Then when she was a freshman in college, she said, Dad, just want to give you a heads up to deal with this. She said, uh, and, and by the way, she's a fine arts major with an emphasis in graphic arts. And she said, Dad, I just want you to know, I'm going to design tattoo sleeves and I'm going to get tattoos uh, on both arms, and she said, uh, I'm waiting till I graduate and I get a, a good job and I can afford it. So she goes, what do you think? What do you think, Dad? And I said, well, honey, here's what I think. As long as I don't have to pay for it, I'm okay with it. It's up to you. Now, here's why I bring Deanna up. You'll never meet anyone that has more confidence and a better self-image than my daughter, Deanna. I mean, she, her self-image and her confidence is amazing. So she's not getting a tattoo for the wrong reason, right? Um, she's, she's seeing a line when she looks in the mirror. And so what you have to understand, and, and, and this is important because we're so all, all so different, some people are more creative than other people. Some people like things that other people don't like, and we're all different. And so uh, you may never want a tattoo, and that's okay. You may want one, and that's okay. You may want just one. You may not want any. But I'm going to go back to that scripture in Samuel where God said, I look at the heart and not the outward. And I think for those of us to say, that's not my cup of tea, we have to make sure not to judge people by what we see on the outside whether it's tattoos or anything else, right? We have to make sure we don't do that because God's looking at the heart. And some people, they're just creative and they love it. I have guys ask me all the time, over the years, they'll say, Pastor Joe, you need to get a tattoo. That would be so cool if you get a tattoo. And I always say, you know what? At this age, there's no tattoo that can make me cool. I'm just, I am done being cool. Cool is finished, right? So then they say, well, you should get one anyway. Get a tattoo. And so here's what I tell them. I'm not OCD, but I'm, I'm at the spectrum. I'm, I'm functional, but I'm real close. And, and there, I get tired of things in about six months, all right? Or, or so. so I can't figure out what to put on my arm that I would never get tired of or, or, or wherever, you know? And so I, it'd be safe to put mom. That's safe. It'd be safe to put Gina. I mean, we've been common law for, what, 30, 33 years now, right? No, no, just joking, just joking. Don't quote that. So I, I just don't know what to put. I, I could put Jesus. Jesus is always safe, right? But I would get tired of it. So it's just not my personality. But uh, God just really doesn't care. And when it comes to plastic surgery, God just doesn't really care. Here's, here's the thing. Make sure you're not doing it 
because you won't feel good about yourself unless you do it. But it's okay to want to look better if you can do something that you think might enhance the way you look. Isn't that why we have braces put on our children, on their teeth? I mean, it's not that we're vain. We just, we just think that you know, we, want to, we want to help straighten their teeth out or whatever it might be. I just want to end this one by saying God really doesn't care. Um, it's up to you. And, and if you were to ask the, the O filter, which is others, will tattoos hurt your witness? Uh, will it cause someone not to ex- accept Jesus? And I would say, uh, no, I don't think it will hurt. Now, there might be someone that hates tattoos that you can't share Christ with, but there's plenty of people without tattoos that can share Christ with them, and you have plenty of people that you can share Christ with. And will it cause a Christian to stumble? I would say no. I would say no. It's all about how you see yourself. Let's talk about cremation as we, as we wind this down, because th- this is a big deal. And uh, take a look at uh, these stats. The average cost of a traditional burial is $6,500. If you're embalmed, it's $6,500. The average cost of cremation is $1,500. So do the math. That's one reason cremation is becoming so popular. But the big question in our mind is, will we mess God up if we're cremated, right? Because He's supposed to raise us up from the dead, right? And if, if we're cremated, can, can he do that with a body that's been cremated? And so I want to just read a scripture to you. It's an incredible scripture because uh, God doesn't say one way or the other. So again, it has to be principle. Genesis 3.19, uh, you will eat bread by the sweat of your face because of hard work until you return to the ground because you were taken from the ground. You are dust and you will return to the dust. So... This is after Adam and Eve sinned. They died spiritually, and God said, now you're going to die physically. And he's just saying, you're going to have to work hard to live on this earth. There's no free passes, right? But then he said, eventually you'll die, and eventually you'll turn back to dirt or dust. And that's just where we're heading. So if, if you begin to think about cremation, there's a couple ways to look at it, right? Um, people that were embalmed a 1,000 years ago, can we all agree that they've turned to dust now? Um, so, I mean, no matter what they try to preserve, they are now dust, right? How about the Christian that was wrecked at sea and a shark ate them? Is, is God able to put that person? Get, are they going to go through eternity without a body or, uh, you know, someone in the jungle eaten by a lion? I mean, can God fix that problem? Yeah, God's, God is God, and that's, that's what you and I need to be able to see. And he's going to be able to put our bodies back together. I think of Nero. Nero was the emperor of Rome, and in 67 AD, he did these horrendous things to Christians. One of the things he did is he'd have a shirt, and he'd make sure it would stay open, and he would dip it in wax, bring it back up, and then he would do it over and over again, and he'd cause the wax to be really thick. Then he would place it on Christians. He'd tie them to posts in his garden. He had these beautiful gardens, and at night, he would light Christians on fire Talk about a hideous person, right? And he'd walk through his gardens, and they would illuminate his gardens, and he'd hear them wailing. And they're putting, being put to, cry, uh, to death because they love Jesus. They're being burned. And then after the morning came, he would throw them into a furnace and, and burn their bodies. And again, the question we have to ask is, can God, can God do something with that? And absolutely he can. And I want to read this scripture. It's so beautiful. 1 Corinthians 14.42 says this, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. So all of us are living in what's called a perishable body. It's called flesh and blood in the Bible. 
And the reason it's called flesh and blood is because uh, the life of our body is the blood. That's why we have organs. That's why we have to eat. And that's why we grow old, and that's why we die. We have perishable bodies. But God's going to take those bodies, no matter what happens to them, raise them up, and they're going to be imperishable. And you know what the Bible says about your new body? The Bible calls it flesh and bone. Not flesh and blood, but flesh and bone. And you know what's called flesh and bone? It doesn't have any blood in it. It doesn't need organs. So if you wonder about organ donation, God's not going to need those, so you're, you're fine. Uh, you, 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 won't have, you, you won't have any need for any of those things. And your life will come from God. You won't have to eat, but you can eat. And I'm like, God, I don't know if that's even fair. Now I want to eat, and I'm not allowed to eat too much. And then I'll be able to eat whatever I want. I won't gain weight. But then I won't have this body, and I won't want to eat. And God, that's almost cruel, God. Um, <laughs> why? You know. So, so all that, it's just this incredible body. You don't have to breathe air. God will keep you alive. And listen to what he says in verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And I don't know what it, what's going to happen, but God's going to find every molecule. He's going to put it back together. It's going to be amazing. And I don't know about you, but we have something really cool to look forward to. And I get really excited about that. I get excited about the first two, whether it's, you know, plastic surgery, it's tattoos. Here's where we want to close. What God's concerned about is who you see when you look in the mirror. He's concerned about you seeing who you are on the inside and not letting your world be who you are on the outside. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to bring this incredible part of the Bible out. And uh, Lord, I thank you for helping all of us, all of us, to be free in this area of our life. And Lord, I thank you for bringing all of us to a place to where uh, we see who you made us when we look in the mirror. And Lord, I thank you so much. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up, listen up. This has happened in two other services. This is happening in me right now. And all I want to say is uh, God's just bringing some things to my mind uh, that he wants me to pray and speak over you. And so as we're in this attitude of prayer, there are some of you in this room right now. And while I taught this message, God has begun to do a work in you. And God just wants you to know this, that your torment is over. And your time of being in chains over who you are on the outside is over. And God just wants me to declare to you, you're coming to a place of freedom because he's going to help you see who you really are. And he's going to bring you to a place of freedom. And never again are you going to be tormented by the things that are currently tormenting you. God's just declaring over you, your freedom is going to come. He's going to cause this to come alive and become very, very real. And so, Lord, that's my prayer for everyone in this room that needs it. And, Lord, for all of us, take us up a couple notches in understanding who we are, Lord God, on the inside. And, Father, if there's anyone in this room that hasn't come to know you personally, we pray for them right now. And we just thank you for touching hearts. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up, I'm going to close with this prayer. If you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, you're not sure if you were to die, if you go to heaven or hell, maybe you don't even know if you believe in heaven or hell. That's all fine, but listen to me. Right now, I'm not asking you to join our church or religion, but I'm asking you, what have you done with Jesus? 
Have you made it real with him? Have you made it personal? So I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. All important things, all great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when you prayed and you accepted Christ as your Savior? Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. It's the most amazing thing. He said, we can't go to heaven by our own works, but it's by placing faith in Jesus through the grace of God. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day when I made it personal, but my heart's touched. I'm ready to do it today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, can you help them pray? Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner and I repent for my sins. I realize I need a Savior. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I accept you as my Savior. And I make a decision to follow you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.